My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hi guys, so we've got something a little bit different for you this week. Uh, Tech World was invited last week to a roundtable event where we got to sit down with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is the star of Oliver Stone's latest film, which is a biopic of the NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden. We managed to get half an hour of his time to sit around and talk about mass surveillance, the recent election of Donald Trump, social media echo chambers, you know, light stuff. Uh, the other voices around the table, so that you don't get confused, are Mary Claire Rogers and Silky Carlo from the Civil Liberties Group Liberty, uh, Barbara Bakosa, a human rights lawyer at Article 19, Harmit Cambo from Privacy International, and another journalist, Abigail Chandler from Gizmodo UK. Hope you enjoy it. Snowden is in UK cinemas December 9th. UK Tech Week I'm Scott. I work for techworld.com. We're a tech uh, B2B publication, mostly writing about startups. A few of my colleagues were out in um, Lisbon the other week and they, oh, saw, really? you, they saw you speak. Oh, cool, yeah, man. So, yeah. Right on. Yeah, that was a really great there. conference. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a big one. So, uh-huh. yeah, they um, so that was where my editor was last week. So that sort of gives you a feel of what we're covering. Cool. Uh, I'm Hamid. I work for a charity called Privacy International. Our name should uh, speak for itself. Uh-huh. Uh, we campaign for privacy issues all over the world, including particular particular folks in the UK and US. Mm-hmm. Great. So, a lot of interest in uh, so. Yeah, that, that's quite that's quite pertinent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm Abigail. Um, I'm a freelance journalist. I'm with uh, Gizmodo UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a sort of tech yeah. kind of site. Um, quite interested in all that sort of stuff. We've done some interviews recently with whistleblowers mm-hmm. um, and done quite a lot of coverage of recent. Uh, there's a bill that's just passed um, in the UK um, that allows all the surveillance. So yeah, we've been really interested in all that. Sort that's of interesting. Stuff. I didn't. I hadn't heard about that bill. Yeah. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's not great. Long uh-huh. times. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm Maddie Clare, I'm the campaigns director for Liberty, who are one of the UK's oldest domestic human rights organisations, and we have been working around privacy, uh, human rights, whistleblowers as well for for a lo- for a long time. Um, but yeah, like um, like Abigail was saying, it's a, it's this is a particularly dark week, I think, for privacy campaigners uh, in the UK um, with this bill, which we can talk a bit about. And yeah, I'm interested to. I, I haven't had a chance to read anything mm-hmm. about it. 
not great. That's that's the British way of describing yeah. it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, I'm Silky, and I work at Liberty Two. Um, I'm a policy officer in technology and surveillance. I've been working for the whole year on this bill, which basically puts everything that Ed Snowden revealed into statute. Yeah. Uh, so it's quite bad times, so, and that went through this week on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to my time at Liberty, I worked at the Courage Foundation, mm-hmm. which you might know is Ed Snowden's official defence fund. Yeah. Um, and that's where it started. It now looks after like other whistleblowers and hackers. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that's me. Okay, great. Hi, I'm Barbara. I work at Article 19, which is international free speech organization. I'm a lawyer. And, uh, you know, people look down at IT people. So lawyers, they are the same category. Uh-huh. I'm a lawyer. You know, people are like, oh, okay. Uh, and, but I work a lot on human rights and technology, and also how to make technology accessible to the people, but also human rights, how the lay person can benefit from human rights, which they think is a technology, something very complex. Yeah. They don't see as a part which is important for their daily life. Mm-hmm. Great, great. I'm at a table with the good guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm really happy to be doing this with you guys. Uh, that, that's wonderful. Well, I'm guessing good. it's a bit different to what you're normally doing in these things. Where, yeah, so well, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I mean, usually my job is to try to um, pique the interest of folks who wouldn't normally take an interest in, in this yeah. sort of stuff. Um, but, uh, but I'm certainly happy to, to talk with you guys as well. It's great. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's really what we want as well. Like, we have, on this particular piece of legislation that's just passed, we have been battling to try and pierce the public consciousness. And it was something that we saw in the film, that like we see that argument, nothing to hide, nothing to fear. And we, it's, you know, it's so boring almost to hear that. I imagine, mm-hmm. like, you, you feel the same. Mm-hmm. But we haven't cracked the answer. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, in the film, he says, well, everyone's got something to hide. And that's what we've been saying for so long, but... Hasn't done it. We haven't. I kind of feel like we've sort of failed as campaigners to communicate how the impact of this. Mm-hmm. It feels really abstract and complex and <clears throat> kind of passive. Like we were talking a bit about the stuff around data, and we're always talking about how this this data will be held. These millions, hundreds of pieces of information being held on you, and held sounds so passive. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't. So what? Like, mm-hmm. and and I, I kind of get the, I kind of get a lot of the public response is sort of, I don't, it Tesco hold mm-hmm. that, and that is where we struggle to show that it's not passive, mm-hmm. it isn't mm-hmm. passive. It's just to add to that, I think there the was the central paradox of Edward Snowden, and like everyone else in our community, most people in our community, you know, I, I see him as a hero. But the real paradox of the Snowden revelations were they didn't didn't demonstrate harm, mm-hmm. so. In the wake of, this, of those revelations, the U.S. government said, "Look, look at how he's harmed our, our nation. Mm-hmm. Look how he's endangered American lives." Now they had no proof of that, and if mm-hmm. they had proof, they would have put it out there. Yeah. There was no exactly. evidence of it whatsoever. But the counterpoint to that is that we haven't been able to use those Snowden revelations to demonstrate harm either. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is, uh, is that in effect, what's happened is that Snowden revealed that for the last thirteen years, all of your communications, everything has been chewed up by this machine, you've been watched. And you tell people that and you think and they think, okay, well I haven't noticed. Mm-hmm. They might be not might not be conscious of that, but that's an effect the how it's backfired. And that's not to criticise what Snowden did whatsoever. It was absolutely vital that he brought this out into the mm-hmm. into into the public sphere. 
but the whole there's been a it's turned into a massive kind of backfiring because uh, uh, Silky and Mary Claire mentioned this very process in the UK at least has actually led to Snowden's revelations mm -hmm. rather than it turning into a backtracking of, uh, of of these kind of powers. The UK government has used that just to legit legitimise these powers, saying, mm -hmm. "Okay, now it's out in the open. Yeah. Let's just put it in the statute books." Yes. So it's an absolute kind of uh, uh, backtracking of what should have happened following uh, right. his revelations. You know, I will disagree with you with one thing that people don't care because I think that's a problem of the Western world, like Americans and you know British, because they haven't experienced the censorship. Yes. Right? Like if yeah. you look at people at Eastern Europe, like where I come from, like Where are you our from? region. I'm from Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia. But you know, you there during communism, I mean, first of all, people don't trust the state. They don't trust the corporations as much as here. So obviously, you don't need to explain to Eastern Europeans what the government is doing and it's England, why you should be concerned about every detail gathered about you, because if they know everything, obviously, you know, pointless to try to hide something because they already know. So to Eastern Europeans, you don't need to explain this anymore because we already know. And we will be like, how come you are not all up in arms? And so I think that, you know, in advocacy strategy, that's why, that's are the countries you need to mobilize because the people there will understand and also the harm of having this information is so much more present there here. Because here people are like, what? Like, you know, if you tell people like somebody comes and opens your Christmas presents, you know, obviously they would mind it, but they don't see this connection with the data. Mm -hmm. How other people who experience that live mm -hmm. for like 40 years, mm -hmm. they know. And they think the NSA is same as KGB, you know? Mm -hmm. they, they wouldn't think that, oh, like NSA, you know, it's our trusted patriotic institution. Mm -hmm. We have KGB, we don't trust them, mm -hmm. you know? So that's how you convince people, in my view, but you know, I'm yeah. not a campaigner. Mm -hmm. so, so, Joe, do you think like putting this into like a, a way that people are used to taking information, like a movie, you know, it's a narrative, it's got a human element, do you reckon that will help break what we're talking about here and this passivity that you've got with, with, the, with the public? You know, you can ask people to read Greenwood, like Glenn's uh, editorial, and you can ask them to read every book and watch every documentary, but I think, you know, a, a big movie that's, you know, opening in Leicester Square, you know, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Do you reckon that'll, that'll break it? I mean, I, I can't promise uh, that it would completely break it, but I, yeah, sure, I think that's hopefully a step in the right direction, and, and, and certainly this movie is... Uh, less about policy and less about technology and it's more of a human yeah. story. It's a human drama about this guy who decided to do what he did. Um, so, uh, yeah, hopefully it's a step in the right direction. Um, yeah. I'll tell you one, one thing, I mean, I'm just addressing a few different things that you guys just said. Uh, one thing I've found when having conversations with people who are less versed in this type of stuff who are more prone to say, well, I'm not going to hide... Um, uh, I'm, one thing I learned uh, is that there was a slogan that went, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. And that was a slogan of the Nazis. <laughs> and they said that all day long. That was like a staple slogan of the Nazi party, which should tell you something, right? Um, so I've found that when I've said that to people, they've been like, whoa, really? Are you serious? The problem is, even with that message, sorry, Silky, is that, that even that message bounces off people. So we, we tend to avoid the or Orwellian, uh, big brother kind of mm -hmm. language because people think it won't happen here, unlike in Eastern Europe. So mm -hmm. I think in the UK and the US, that message doesn't really penetrate other than to people who are already pretty suspicious of government intentions. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really convert people who essentially see our government, Western governments as benevolent. Mm 
it doesn't right. really penetrate there. I, I, I don't know, and I know there are, there are a few things that we disagree on. Like I think that the Senate revelations do show enormous harm, um, not just on an abstract level, on an abstract level to democracy, but also to some of the individuals that have been spied on, some of the groups that have been spied on, NGOs, charities, um, victims of torture. Like the the film tried else. to do it, didn't it, with the drone yeah, strikes absolutely. footage, and that yeah. sort of shocked me, you know, in, when yeah. you see it. I think, I think the film did that really well. I also think, and I'm, I'm wondering what you think now about the film in a kind of post-Trump context, mm-hmm. whether now... I, I, I sense that there's, there's going to be a real change, that now what Snowden warned of with turnkey tyranny, um, now people are, are finally starting to sense, because now you've got someone in power who has committed to surveilling all mosques, um, banning all Muslims, deporting millions of people. Do you mm-hmm. think that it takes a different meaning, almost? Yeah, very much. Uh, I do. Uh, I've, had, I've had a few conversations with just friends of mine who know that I did this and, and have said to me, you know, uh, before I, you know, you made this movie about mass surveillance and it seemed like a problem and I understood why it was a problem, but I frankly can't say I was really that upset by it. And now I am. Wow. When I think about, when I think about um, these mass surveillance tools in the hands of this government, it takes on a whole other flavor for me. Um, Now, I don't know that that's going to convert the people that you're talking about who are already just perfectly comfortable and and not the type to question authority. Um, But for those who are sort of on the fence, or or not even necessarily on the fence, but just I think people who, you know... uh, you know, are left-leaning, but just not necessarily excited by this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think maybe them revisiting it now in this new situation with this new president-elect, um, people have a different emotional reaction to it. I also yeah. wanted to ask all you guys, basically, on that point, is just, like, would this have been worse without us knowing it if Snowden never turned up? Like, if Trump got elected but Snowden never did blow the whistle, would it have been way worse? Is there, that does, is there at least some awareness now? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's better now, because in the UK at least, because at least, at least we know of the powers. It's an impossible question to answer, because we don't know what they would have been doing if they hadn't known, but we've sure. got some level of awareness, there's some level of uh, scrutiny. We think it falls far short, and just because we know about it doesn't mean it doesn't mm. make it. It's, okay. it's like saying... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm cheating on you, but you know, I'm being open with you at least. I'm not going to stop cheating on you, but at least you know about it now. Mm-hmm. Is that better than not knowing? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's a terrible metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> problematic. <laughs> problematic. No, but I think also it's very important now because there is more aptitude for people to use encryption or at least you know to be aware of it. Yeah. And I think this yeah. is also actually what celebrities can promote. Like same way as the fashion industry did a lot of work for fur. Mm-hmm. You know, not to wear fur. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to use encryption is not something complicated, scalable. Yeah. It's not easy, but, you know... You can it should be it. easier, that's so, for sure. So, yeah, everybody, everybody should be... If you can convince at least, you know, 100,000 people to use encryption, mm-hmm. I think it's already achieved. Sure, and, and I... Yeah, and I mean, we, we talk, I've, I've talked about, like, using Signal and, and stuff like that, which does make it pretty easy. But, um, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the folks who have really stepped up, I think, are the technology companies, right? And, and that's maybe where Snowden has had his greatest impact, is that, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, Apple, for example, probably first and foremost, is, has really prioritized security and encryption in their software and in their hardware, I think much more so than they probably would have if it hadn't been for Snowden. Mm. You think that's safe to say? 
Yeah, but I still think there's probably problems there. But no, I think I think you're uh, broadly very right that the market. What had, problems? I'm curious what you mean. Well, for example, iCloud's been hacked. Yes. For example, I mean, I'm, I'm not a technologist, so I couldn't comment. In fact, Silky probably is far more qualified to talk about the technology. I should have. I should have asked you then. Um, well, I think you're right in that the movement is towards um, there. There is clearly a demand for privacy and and for privacy from the state, which is a kind of pinch yourself moment in 2016. But yeah, I think there is a, a demand for that. Um, Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Companies like Apple's probably been the best, but these big companies, they will go so far. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the Apple FBI um, issue was also a bit of a PR exercise and mm-hmm. Apple saying we're prepared to throw our weight around but actually both sides know that the FBI can get into that phone without any problems. Right. Um, there was a bit of front um, around that whole debate which is where... Um, and then the, they did, right? The FBI did ultimately yeah, sure, get into but, the phone. I mean, and I think made a much bigger fuss about it than they needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's where the um, open source developers are so different, like Open Whisper Systems who make Signal. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the real heroes mm-hmm. because they design their software um, through and through with privacy in mind so that when they are asked for data on their customers, which they are and they have been, um, they can say, yeah, sure, here's what we've got, and it's like a timestamp because they've built their whole software to not collect data on their users in the first place. So uh, this is actually just the cliffhanger that we were talking about before. Um, we, I was in a conference call with Snowden a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying um, that we need to hardwire human rights into technologies, um, and that's certainly where I think the human rights groups in the UK and, and elsewhere, and definitely US, our um, sister organisation, ACLU, are starting to look. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is so much we can do in policy, there's so much we can do in, um, on the legal side, and we're really good at that. 
the public engagement side is really hard, and that's where this film obviously is going to be an enormous help. Um, but also, like developing technologies and, and having a voice um, there too is going to be a really essential part of um, protecting democracy, not only privacy, but just democracy and civil liberties in a digital context. Yeah. While we're talking about encryption, I really wanted to ask you, like, making this movie and also being someone who's in the public eye, are there things that you do to, like, um, be more secure on online? You mentioned Signal, but mm. the bit of the movie that scared the hell out of me, and, I mean, it scared me anyway, was the bit where you can see through the cameras and mm-hmm. then he starts putting, you know, the, the tape on all the cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you take... Uh, what sort of measures do you take to make sure that you're secure online? Yeah, uh, I've, I've had a Band-Aid on my camera. I, to be honest, don't have one on there now. Mm. Uh, put it back. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just haven't uh, put it back. Um, yeah, but, take, take oh, thank you. Yay. Thanks, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think ultimately it also just made me more mindful about how the internet works as a whole because there's there's government surveillance which is important to talk about but there's there's also uh, data being collected by you know other huge yeah. uh, institutions and um, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that Google is collecting so much data or Facebook is collecting so much data it depends on what they do with it and it also depends on how transparent they are with it I think what's What's not cool is that I don't think they're exactly transparent about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they ask you to check a box and agree to a terms of service, but they never really explain to you what you're agreeing to. Um, and I would like to see the culture shift in that way. Uh, I, I started a company called Hit Record, where uh, you know you can join our site and, and it facilitates a collaborative process between artists, and we make you know all kinds of productions, and then pay the artists when those productions make money. And when you join our site. There's a legal contract to agree to, but there's also a, sort of a, a, a brief summary in layman's yeah. terms. And then there's a video of me saying, like, here's what you're agreeing to and here's why it matters. Um, and I would like to see more of that. Um, it's cool, actually. A few insurance companies in this country have started doing that with your terms of service now. Mm-hmm. They'll send it to you as an attachment, but they're like, you're never going to read it. So here's what it says in five bullet points. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the way it should there be. There should be more of that. Yeah. Um, While we're on the... Sorry, you mentioned um, and that made me think. So I saw a, a video that you posted recently and you talked about wanting to bring people together in the hit record community from both sides of the election debate mm, um, mm, because mm. you said that there was a, you, you were worried that it's very easy within online communities for it to become an echo chamber mm-hmm. and your own ideas thrown back at you and reinforcing them constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, the big part of the Snowden story is that he changed his mind. He wasn't always opposed to this thing. You know, In 2009, he said that people who leak confidential information should be shot in the balls mm-hmm. and then four years later mm-hmm. did it himself mm-hmm. so it's very important that people should be able to be exposed to new information and change their mind mm-hmm. and yet you do have this echo chamber effect mm-hmm. and do you think that online communities do make it harder for people to receive new information or change their mind about anything because all they're hearing is what they want to hear uh yeah so that's something I've been thinking about a lot um there's a lot to say about it. Oh, the first thing I'll say is I don't think it's it's only the technology that's that's the problem there. It's I think it's uh, you know there's been studies done about how people change their minds, and mm-hmm. you know you can have someone who has a certain belief, and then you show them facts contrary to their belief, and uh, 
it almost always makes them cling more strongly to their original belief. Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, that's just, it seems to be sort of in our biology. Uh, it's sort of, uh, you know, the, I've heard the phrase used, we have bad brains. Because <laughs> we're, uh, you know, we're evolved from animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've talked about, uh, I don't know if you've heard the phrases type 1 thinking and type 2 thinking. Um, uh, I forget who coined that term. Um, but uh, type 1 thinking is, is basically um, more animal, mm-hmm. and it's much easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, type 2 thinking happens, um, they think, just in the, um, the cerebral cortex, which is a much newer part of the brain. It takes more energy, mm-hmm. and it's, it doesn't come naturally. Um, so, uh, you know, but that's where you get things like reason and, you know, weighing facts in order to form a, an opinion as opposed to sort of making a more uh, emotionally based uh, decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that's to say, it's not just technology's fault. Yeah. It's sort of, it's how human beings work. But um, type 2 thinking is often aided by technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, the invention of math you know, of calculus, of uh, logic, of like, these are all, they're older, but they are technologies. They're techniques that humans invented to sort of help them think. Um, And computers have the potential to offer us really powerful tools to aid in type 2 thinking, Mm -hmm. but that's (coughs) not really how we're mostly using our computers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, we were talking about Facebook or Twitter or almost every really popular uh, social media site, mm-hmm. um, they're completely geared towards type 1 thinking because that's how they make money. They mm-hmm. feed you kind of addictive little pieces of stimulus um, that get your, you know, like, um, uh, you know, your, they, they release endorphins or whatever and uh, it makes you want to keep scrolling mm-hmm. and then, you know, the more you scroll, the more ads you see and that's how they make money. Um, that's not necessarily the way that the internet has to work, mm-hmm. uh, but that is how it's working today. Um, I don't know how we necessarily go about changing that. Probably the best way would be is if someone could find another business model that mm-hmm. uh, that does as well. Um, Wikipedia is a good example of someone doing something differently. You know, they're they're a nonprofit and they they uh, you know they survive on donors and on volunteers. Uh, and they've made a site that's really quite different than Facebook. And not that Wikipedia is perfect, um, but it's amazing. It's mm-hmm. and it, it offers so much information, and that information is you know hyperlinked to other information, and you can really use it as a tool to learn mm-hmm. and figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, I I, um, I don't know the answer um, uh, on Hit Record. You know, we're obviously a completely different scale than things like Wikipedia or Facebook. It's a it's a relatively small community of you know a half a million people that um, are generally young and artistically inclined people. So um, uh, maybe that's an echo chamber of its own kind. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I but I am interested, and in, I we haven't we haven't done anything yet. But I'm but I'm interested to try to see what kind of projects we can do to. I don't know, to reach out and, and try to communicate better mm-hmm. with uh, folks who have perspectives other than 
ours. Yeah. Have you thought about using Hit Record to get out um, messages about online privacy and surveillance? Yeah, we have. Uh, we we did um we did a partnership with the ACLU. You just mentioned the ACLU. Um, and uh, we made a, we made a series of short films um, called "Are You There, Democracy? It's Me, the Internet," and uh, they were about sort of lots of different perspectives on you know how technology and democracy impact each other. Um, got lots of different ideas from different people all over the world. Um, Snowden himself contributed, and we made a short film out of his answer. And he actually uh, was quite optimistic. Um, and he, he was talking about how, look, uh, and you can watch it for yourself, but his basic, what he basically said was, certainly there are things that seem negative, but if you zoom out, overall, technology is making, you know, making everything better. Um, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say everything. Technology <laughs> is ultimately having a net positive effect is yeah. a better way to say it. And, um, you know, the more that we are... Uh, you know, whether it's energy or education or medicine or science, all of these things advancing means that people are going to have more liberty and liberty is good for democracy ultimately. Uh, and I, I, I like to, I, I like to agree with them. I mean, uh, and certainly at this moment, especially um, what with the recent election in the U.S. or with this bill you're talking about passing in the U.K., um, that does feel like a step backwards um, and I'm no expert historian, but it does seem like history is generally moving forward, but it doesn't only move forward. Sometimes it goes sideways, sometimes it goes backwards, and then it keeps moving forwards. And um, sometimes maybe even in a way it has to go forwards a little bit before it can... Sorry, it has to go backwards a little bit before it can go further forward. So yeah. I don't know if that sounds um, like a, a generic pep talk or something, but... Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I do think that that's overall true. It doesn't mean we shouldn't keep fighting them. Yeah. I've got time for one more question, that's okay. You mentioned Twitter, and I know you're a big Twitter guy. Do you, do you feel like that, um, it, do you feel like it's broken? Do you feel like there's a way that they can fix it? And do you think they're making sort of the right moves to, to get that platform back on track? Or is it just going to keep getting worse and giving a voice to people that, that maybe um, shouldn't have as much of a platform as they do? Yeah, that's a good question. I... Um, I'm not convinced that that any of our uh, really popular social media sites are um, the best way that people can use the internet to communicate. Um, They all do certain things well, um, and it depends on how you use them. But um, I I definitely look forward to more innovations in that world. And uh, you know, let's not forget that. you know, 10 years ago, no one had ever heard of Facebook and everyone thought that MySpace was going to be the thing forever. And then look what happened, you know. So, uh, I don't, I mean, certainly Facebook has gotten a lot more popular now than MySpace ever was. And it's so popular that it sometimes seems like it'll just remain kind of this monopoly forever. And I don't know, maybe it will. Um, But I wouldn't count out the notion that, you know, other things, other ways of doing it might uh, might come in, and I, I'm I, I'm not saying that I have the answer of how that's going to work, but um, but I, I I have my eyes peeled. Yeah. Cool. We've got to end it there, I'm afraid. Thanks. Cool. Um, do you mind if we do like group photos? Sure, sure.
Yeah, I, I mean, I was there like you, like self-medicating on Twitter after Trump. Yeah. And then after a while, you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. This isn't helping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we'll go. You want to get the camera gets... I'll take a photo with you on camera or however. I'll take one with my camera. Yeah, yeah, I'll send No, back home tomorrow. Yeah, back to the family. Nice. I'll let you get one email. I don't come together. I feel like I. Shall we not stand in front of the TV? Yeah. Ironically, yeah. So maybe, yeah, that's it. Thanks, guys. Can we all squeeze? Yes, I can have. I'll take maybe two different ones. I get a quick approval from everyone, so everybody's happy. <laughs> so everybody looks good. <laughs> I think that's cool. good. Let right. just, I'm just going to show okay. everyone if everyone's okay with this. Oh, I'm not. As long as there's no blur, it's fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah fine, fine. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Good Cheers. luck. Thanks Thank very you. much. Thanks for having a great movie. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Nice to meet you. It was such a pleasure. Cheers, thanks very much. Nice to meet you too. Thanks for the stickers. <laughs> pleasure, absolute pleasure. Do you guys want to hang out for a little, yeah, yeah. A little gift bag for you as well? Oh, wonderful. From our organization. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Enjoy it. Cool, cool. We expect you to read all the literature. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.